Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. As I said, this is going to be a behind the scenes look at the Fizzle Refresh. If you're not familiar with what we mean by the Fizzle Refresh, well, it finally launched last week. We've sent emails out to members, and this week I emailed the broader list that I have as well to let everybody that know that this was new and to highlight some of the new features. But we thought it would be fun to give you a behind the scenes and kind of let you know why this came about. What was the need for it and how did it all come together? So today I thought we would talk a little bit about the history of Fizzle. I thought I would share with you some of the lessons that I've learned about running a membership program, sort of the pros and cons of that now that I've been doing it for coming up on nine years here within Fizzle. And also we can talk about building community and so on. Then I'll share with you the big decision that I made to refresh and recommit to Fizzle and the process for doing that. And then we'll talk about the technology, the platform behind it, and the design as well, because there are some really interesting tools now that make people who are not necessarily great at design able to do a lot more with it. I've been working on websites for a long time, and I have experienced some breakthroughs recently in productivity because of some tools that are out there that I'll share with you. And then we'll talk a little bit about what's next for Fizzle. And as I said, we'll have time for Q&A at the end, but please feel free along the way. If you have questions to pop those in the chat box and Jen can interrupt me and ask, or she can have you come on camera or on audio and we can talk about it that way as well. So a little history of Fizzle. And, and this is like, it still kind of shocks me sometime to think about how long ago all this went down, but I still remember very vividly sitting here. I'm in Mexico right now where my wife and I spend our winters. And I remember very vividly nine years ago, over visiting my parents who were down here for a week on vacation, sitting around the pool, conceptualizing this idea to basically pull all of the courses and other projects that I had out there that were all individual projects. I had Start a Blog That Matters, which is inside Fizzle. It's been completely refreshed since, but there was a course called Start a Blog That Matters that I launched in 2011. I had other courses like something called Traffic School, I had an affiliate marketing course and I started feeling like it was great that I had all those courses, but they were all out there in their individual silos using their individual technologies, their individual shopping carts. And the customers that I was serving, the students were fragmented between them and they weren't necessarily able to communicate with one another. They weren't able to transition easily from one product to the next. And I started recognizing that this business of entrepreneurship is really a journey and you might make some progress with one individual course, but there's so many little things that people need along the way that it made sense to me, both from a consolidation standpoint and ease of management for me with all my courses and from a customer journey standpoint to have them all together in one platform. So I started working on Fizzle in 2012 with Caleb Wojcik, who was on the team, on my team at the time. And then we brought in Chase Reeves, who you've probably seen in a lot of the courses as a co-founder. And we launched in late 2012. And we did that through a couple of waves. We had people known as charter members. We would open the doors and say, we're going to admit 100 charter members and close the doors, test things out. And this allowed us to release things earlier than we otherwise would have. The, the initial build of Fizzle was only about eight weeks long. And we forced ourselves to put together the technology and put together some content as quickly as we could to get it out the door so that we wouldn't get stuck. Because I had built other projects in the past, had been part of other uh, startups where you can really get stuck in that building phase and the months can go by pretty quickly. And you know, really that risk that people might not actually like this thing, they might not respond to it how we wanted, that's what you want to mitigate. So we got it out there early and got feedback from people. And that really shaped the initial build of Fizzle. So it was kind of a build in progress. We built it initially on WordPress with Stripe as the payment platform. And Stripe was fairly early at the time, but I just loved the style of the people at Stripe and could tell that it was a really great platform. And we knew that we wanted to accept credit cards in a modern way and not to have to worry about PayPal and, and other things that were sort of popular at the time or using a third-party shopping cart or something like that. We also used a custom theme for Fizzle. And at the time, actually, initially, we used a membership plugin that is still around. I can't exactly remember the name of it, but 
pretty quickly we outgrew that and we ended up writing our own. And I found that actually to be true of a lot of member sort of platforms. The plugins that are out there work for a while and then eventually you kind of discover some things that don't work. I still recommend for most people that you get started with off-the-shelf software, whether it be a learning management system or a shopping cart or membership, whatever it is that you're building, use off-the-shelf stuff to begin with. And then you'll see if there are things about it that you don't like. You can always switch later. It's not painless to switch, but it is possible. And we've done that a couple of times inside of Fizzle, first from a plugin to our own custom software to now a new version of our own custom software, which is much simpler. Since Fizzle launched in 2012, we served 26,000 customers. I can't believe that. It's amazing. And not all of those people have really dug in and stuck around for a long time, but a lot of people have. And I'll talk about that in terms of lessons that I've learned from running a membership in just a couple of minutes. Not much had changed since 2012 in terms of the platform, the technology and so on. And it really just kind of kept working. Like that was a cool thing about it. We rushed to put this thing together over the course of, as I said, like seven or eight weeks. And then we just iterated on top of it and kept adding to it. And it all still worked. I mean, a lot of that original code and glue that we built early on still worked nine years later. And that's great because it sucks when you have to invest a lot of time and effort and money into a platform when really what matters about a membership is the content, the community, all the things that you're offering. The technology can set you apart, but it doesn't, I don't think, make sense to invest a whole lot of time and money into it. I should also mention in terms of Fizzle history, our signups peaked in 2015 at about 5,000 a year, and we had a lot of momentum. We were being featured on a lot of big sites like Smart Passive Income and Entrepreneurs on Fire and so on. And they have diminished since then. But um, that initial push of 2013, 2014, 2015, we were really firing on all cylinders with our marketing the Fizzle Show was really popular. There weren't a whole lot of podcasts out and things have changed a bit since then. And I'll, I'll talk about that. So here's a little blast from the past just so you can see what Fizzle was. This was our very first homepage back in 2012. This was what we launched with for the initial cohort of charter members. And you can see that a lot of things have remained the same. I mean, because Chase was one of our co-founders, he really stressed upon us the importance of high quality video. And he had some great video skills. So even though this was nine years ago, the video still kind of holds up today. We were using high-end DSLR cameras. We had really good audio and depth of field and good lighting and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm glad that we made that decision because it actually still works really well today. And it was worth the time to do that. A lot of the main components that were there back then are still a big part of what we do today. It's really a combination of training, coaching, and community. Those are kind of the three main ingredients. And the training has evolved and grown over the time. We have more courses, new courses. The community has shifted and changed and we see people come and go and people stick around for three to five years in, in good cases. And some people stick around for less time than that, but it's uh, kind of nice to see that there is continuity and that, that the magic ingredient to us was always the fizzle spirit in a way, and this, this sense of honesty, you can see that we called it honest video training or honest online business training. We called it for a while, just this sense, especially at the time in 2012, when we launched, there was a lot of shady, scammy kind of internet marketing stuff. And we wanted to stand apart from that. But I think that decision really kind of infused this sense of we are all entrepreneurs who actually care about what we're building. We're not just trying to make a quick buck. We care about the foundation, the long-term actually helping people and so on. I think that speaks to what has made Fizzle so viable for so long and also just to the quality of people and the disposition of people, the community that we have. And so even though the individual people come and go, we see this common thread of a similar outlook on what business is and what people want from their business and their life. So there's actually a lot of commonality to people, even though sometimes the faces and names change, which is interesting. And then also we wanted to bundle all of this stuff up into one low monthly price. And at the time, and even today, you know that there are courses out there that people sell for thousands of dollars. I mean, some of our competitors Marie Forleo specifically with B-School charges a couple thousand dollars. Maybe it's $3,000 now. I don't know. But there are a lot of programs that are kind of like that. And I had run programs that were very expensive in the past. And 
I enjoy selling something at a lower price and then having to win back the customers every month by continuing to provide value versus putting all of the effort into the sales page, which is what a lot of people do. They do a lot of effort in the marketing upfront, the sales page, the emails, all that kind of stuff. And they do this high pressure, the cart's closing, the doors are closing thing to get people in. And that's kind of what you need to do for a $2,000 product. But I didn't like that pressure. I also didn't like the open and close model where you're opening your cart and closing it. And then every time you have a new launch, you have to worry, are we going to sell enough like we did last time? Is our revenue going to be the same? And you get more and more invested into it with the team and everything else. And that can be a real stressor. Jen, were there any questions or anything so far? No questions. Just awesome. a few fun comments. People cool. talking about when they join. Oh, also, nice. I never thought about what, like you just blew my mind with what you said about, you know, like all of the effort going into the front end and getting someone to sign on to something higher priced versus like, bringing them in at a, you know, a less scary price. And then like, and then having to work to win them back. Yeah. Just show them the quality, quality of, of the product. I'm curious, who's the longest serving Fizzle member here so far today? Jen, when did you, when did you join originally, Jen? Yeah. So I joined in 2017. Okay. Four years ago. And Arno was 2015 and had returned. And Arno is like one of those, like, awesome case studies because he was here back then, didn't participate a whole lot. We saw him a couple of times and then, and then came back and really dove in this time. And, and partly because it's a change of need in his life and so on, but he landed some clients and is making progress. And, and this is exactly why to me, entrepreneurship is such a journey. You know, Arno's been at it for a bunch of years and it's just not realistic to expect that people are going to take a course for a month or two months whatever a lot of those expensive programs are, and then just magically make progress because there's just so much that has to happen that realistically it's it's at least an 18 month, 24 month kind of journey to get established. But for a lot of people, it's longer than that. It's three to five years and you shouldn't feel bad about it. We all have things going on and, and that's just kind of what it takes. Look at these screenshots, the um, Safari web browser. Look at the little, the the icons in there, like the little bubble buttons and stuff. Isn't that crazy? Like that stuff has actually changed quite a bit, the user interface. I love that. We also have migrated community platforms in the meantime. That was something we did about three years ago. In this screenshot on the right-hand side, you can see that we were using something called IP board, which was a more traditional forum. And now we're using a custom platform called Palapa, which I'll talk about a little bit. Okay, so I want to share with you guys some of the lessons that I've learned from running a membership. The first one, and this is something that people talk about a lot, is just that the revenue is so predictable. Like from month to month, you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be within like five or 10% of what it was, whether up or down, depending on which direction the business is trending. And that's awesome. I mean, that's one of those things that takes a lot of the stress off for a business owner. I know as a freelancer, that you know you can feast or famine based on the clients. Also, as someone who launches products you know, with an open and closed model, you can feast or famine based on that. And that can be really stressful. So the revenue is very predictable. And eventually the customer lifetime value is very predictable as well. Once you've had enough people going through, you know, I can just say, well, we've had 26,000 customers. We've had $4 million in revenue. You can do the math and figure out what a customer is worth. In our case, like $160 or something like that on average. However, happy customers can stick around for a very, very long time with a much higher lifetime value. We've had some customers around forever and their total lifetime value, their total spend is at like $3,000. So this is really interesting to me, right? Because you might say to yourself, well, wait a second, like I could charge $2,000 for this course. Why would I want to charge $39 or $49 on a subscription model? Well, the thing that I love about it is that people can almost self-select how much they're going to pay based on the value that they're getting. And some people get an incredible amount of value from Fizzle. They're happy to stick around and they'll end up paying as much or more than they would have to one of those expensive courses. Now, on the other hand, a lot of people pop in, they decide it's not right for them, or maybe the timing in their life isn't right, or maybe they thought they had the time, but they didn't. There's all sorts of reasons. And then they decide to leave and and maybe they're only out a free trial, or maybe they're only out one month of a subscription or something. And so it's very low barrier to entry for people to jump in and check it out, which really plays into how hard it is to sell. And again, that comes down to 
how much marketing effort you have to put in. We don't have to run this complicated multi-video, multi-email automation series where we really convince people that it's going to be worth it because we can just say, hey, try it out for free for 10 days or a month or whatever promotion we're running at the time. So that's really cool. Now, keep in mind with a membership, there are a lot of running parts though. You have an LMS, a learning management system, right? To host your courses. You have to worry about billing being connected to that. We host regular events weekly. We've done weekly for a long time. We have the community as well, the forums that people participate in. We have ongoing support. People are around for a long time and we have to support those folks. And then we also have content production, right? We have to continually be producing courses and content meant for members as well as public content meant for marketing. So there are a lot of things that that we have to be doing to maintain this. And I think it's easy to think, wow, subscription revenue, that sounds great. And people say that a lot about Substack and other newsletter platforms right now where they're able to get people to sign up, you know, on a monthly basis to receive emails from them or, or whatever. But you really also need to think about what, what is this going to be like five years from now or even five months from now? What is this going to be like showing up week after week, month after month, producing this content? Because it is a bit of a hamster wheel and you need to make sure that it's a sustainable thing for you. There's this energy that you have whenever you build a new project where you can run on fumes, you can stay up late, you can do everything because it's fun and new and exciting and there's possibility. But after something launches, it's very easy to feel deflated, to realize that you've been running on burnout and to have a hard time keeping something up. So you have to make sure that it's sustainable. As I said before, surprisingly, the tech has held up very well. I mean, there have been a lot of new things out there and now there are off-the-shelf technologies you can use like Teachable and Thinkific and Podia and all of those things that you can use now, they didn't exist back then. They weren't around. So we had to use WordPress plugins. Those were really kind of the only things that were available to us to build the membership originally. So now I would say that the tech is easier without a lot of coding skills because of the no code movement, because of integrations and APIs like, like Zapier. You can do a lot without having to actually write any code. And that means if you even if you have to hire someone to do that, it should make them more effective as well. So it should cost you less overall. I should also mention marketing is really an ongoing necessity. I said before that memberships peaked in 2015, and that's no surprise because we were running with marketing like crazy back then. And there are other reasons for it. And I'll explain a little bit about that in a second in terms of the other projects and, and things that we had going on. But marketing, you can't just set it and forget it. This is the kind of thing, especially today, especially if you're operating on the internet, because Things change so quickly. There are so many new entrants. The cost of doing business, the cost of entry is so low for competitors that anything you do on the internet is going to require you to be out there marketing on a regular basis. So once you launch a product, you can't really forget about it. You can't take your foot off the gas and you're going to need to be probably content marketing, but you might also be running ads and other things like that. And as I said, there is just lots more competition today in our space, in the entrepreneurship space, but also just in general, there's a lot of competition for subscription dollars. I mean, if, if you think about it, if you look at your credit card statement at the end of the month, I bet you see that you're paying for Spotify and Netflix and your gym membership and your cell phone and all of these things that come out every month. And there can be a bit of subscription fatigue for people. Now on the business side, it's a little different because you might silo things and say, well, these are my personal expenses. And then here are my business expenses. And you've got email marketing and other things. And we hope that we can be a part of that, you know, business expense, but you do have to think about that and, and place your product in the context of what other people are, what they're already paying for. And this model that we have of running a membership where you have to win your customers back every month, or at least convince them that it's worth staying on, you do end up competing every month with the other things that are on their subscription list. We have a great question from Jolene. So how do you feel about the concept that people will only really put effort into your product or course if they have significant skin in the game when they pay a higher price tag? And with a low price tag, they don't take it as seriously and iterating and improving the product is harder and takes longer. We only pay $12.99 a month for Netflix. And I'll tell you that my wife and I put some serious effort into it sometimes. <laughs> I mean, hours hours on a weekend sometimes. I don't know. I think the value of the product is more important than the than the cost. And if you're having to rely on, well, I made people pay a lot of money, so they're going to have to take it seriously to, to too much of a degree, then you might have a value problem. I think there probably is something to it, Jolene. I mean, if you bought, let's say Marie Forleo's 
B school. And let's say it was on some super crazy bundled discount and you paid like nine bucks for it or something. You'd probably just forget about it, put it on the shelf and you wouldn't hold as much value with it. I mean, I know that if you tell people how much wine costs, they enjoy it a heck of a lot more than if you told them it was cheap wine. And, and we do blind wine tastings all the time. And we find out that if we do it blind, a lot of times the $12 bottle wins. But as soon as you know how much something costs, we're loving the $40 bottle, the $50 bottle. So I think there is some psychology to it, but I wouldn't rely on it as the only factor. And I, I think if you if the price gets too out of alignment with the actual value, then you can run into problems because people can say, this is just lipstick on a pig. Does that make sense, Jen? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think too, with the lower price tier that Fizzle stays at, like the onboarding process has plays such a big part in it because it's really encouraging people to take it seriously, even though the monthly investment isn't that big and showing them what the value will be if they take it seriously and do the work and yes. seeing the, the results that so, so many people have gotten from taking it seriously. Taking care of employees has never been more important. For years, Gusto has been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform, and it doesn't just look nice, it works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks. Get three months free after your first payroll when you go to gusto.com fizzle. That's gusto.com fizzle. Yeah. And you know, that needs to be part of the sales process to set people's expectations as to what they're going to have to do and what they could benefit from any product. But there's a concept in selling anything really, which is known as activation. And activation is the process of actually getting your customers to dig in and use the product. If you're selling a high price product, you're running against the clock to make sure that the refund period runs out. And I, I've known a lot of internet marketers to say that if you're not getting 50% refunds, you're not pushing hard enough on the sale. And I, I hate that kind of marketing, but that is the reality to some degree. If you don't get people to actually use your product, in the case of a membership, they're going to leave. In the case of a high price product with a refund window, they're going to refund, right? So in one case or another, you're trying to convince people to actually use your product. And with the higher the price, I would say the more pressure is on them to consider refunding because it, it's painful, like the, the out-of-pocket expense, but also they probably have more pressure to actually use the product to see if it's worth the money that they paid for it. So I think there is something to what you're saying, Jolene, but there's also the psychology on your side of selling a product and how you feel about it. It really depends on your customer as well. I mean, in, you know, in Jolene's case, if you're talking about people in data science and they're buying this thing to level up their career, then if, especially if their company was paying for it, or if they were used to paying for expensive courses, like in grad school or something, then they might not have sticker shock at paying, you know, a thousand or $2,000 or something for something. So I think there's just a lot of factors involved. Okay. So next question I think is why refresh fizzle? It was working before. Why go through all this effort? Well, I mentioned before that signups had declined. That's definitely a factor always in the back of my mind, you know, and you have to ask yourself, well, what's going on? Is it that we're not marketing enough? Is it that anything about the experience or the product is feeling dated? Is it that there's more competition? There are a whole lot of reasons for it, but certainly refreshing fizzle is meant to change that. The, the next piece that was probably the biggest factor, honestly, was that I had been feeling a little blase about showing up week after week, doing the same old thing that I had been doing for nine years. And I've talked a lot about this on podcasts and other things recently, but I had never been to this part of the map before. I didn't know what it was like to run something or to be involved in something for nine years. The longest I had ever been involved in something before was under five years. And that was like a very long job that I served in. So here I am nine years out and I didn't realize that, well, maybe you kind of have to keep things fresh. You can't just expect it to continue to go on and, and feel fun and interesting. You have to make it fun and interesting yourself. And that's a lot of what the refresh is about for me is about recommitting, re-engaging, and just reinvigorating my interest in the work so that I can show up with the energy and the effort needed. Also, I lost a business partner three years ago now. 
he's still alive. Uh, he just moved on from Fizzle and we're still great friends. I talk to Chase regularly and we see each other in person, but he had his own path to follow. He grew his hair out. He <laughs> grew his beard out and he moved several times to various places across the country. And he's, he's on a nomadic journey right now and he's doing his own thing on YouTube. I'm happy for him, but at the same time, like I wasn't prepared for it. And so it knocked me back a bit. It also knocked me back because we had other projects in progress like Palapa, which we can talk about. But Palapa was a separate software project that we were building. It took a lot of time and effort to get that out. And when Chase left, I was kind of stuck doing both at the same time. The third thing, just to think about this, is that until you know, middle of last year, I was kind of stuck in this analysis paralysis. What do I do? Which things do I focus on? Do I pick one of my projects and run with it? Do I throw it all out the window and start on something new? So everything was on the table. In my mind, I could maintain things as they were. And of course, with like revenue coming in the door with, with Fizzle, it's not like I'm just going to end it, but I could have thought about selling it or bringing a different partner in or, you know, there are all kinds of different things. So everything was on the table, but something happened to me. And I apologize if you've heard this already, but I had conversations with a couple of friends, Vanessa Van Edwards, who runs Science of People and Dana Schultz, who runs Minimalist Baker. and Vanessa kicked me in the butt saying, you know, you've been having the same conversation for years now, talking about feeling like you're pulled in different directions, not sure what you should work on next. And then Dana relayed to me a story about what happened with her in Minimalist Baker. And she actually almost walked away from Minimalist Baker. And you should know that Minimalist Baker is one of the top food blogs, especially run by a single owner out there in the entire world. And it gets tens upon tens of millions of page views in a year. But for Dana, after having run it, you know, for at the time, this was like four or five years into it for her, it was a hamster wheel. It was grueling. She shows up and, and produces three recipes a week. And producing a recipe is the whole day-long ordeal. It's not just, oh, I'm going to, you know, plunk something down. It's, it's, there's a lot of thinking, planning, and then there is photographing, writing it up, promoting it, all that kind of stuff. And also like being in the spotlight for her, I think is really intense, right? Because people like that end up becoming celebrities online and they get harassed and stalked and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in it. But what she told me was that the freedom that she experienced in the decision of allowing herself to consider walking away was incredible, right? She took a little sabbatical. She went on a little vacation and allowed herself to consider every possibility. And she thought about, well, what if I do something else? And what if I go back to Minimalist Baker? And so that time off allowed her to consider what she really wanted to do. And she says, although I ultimately decided that I still loved it, it helped me form a much healthier relationship to that work. So now it's much more intuitive. She doesn't feel the pressure. And this is all just a, a mental standpoint, a framework that she's looking at her business through. She doesn't work if she doesn't want to. She takes long breaks. She has hobbies. She just has a healthier relationship with work. So for me, it was about going through this period where I said, last October, I'm starting over. I deleted all my social media posts. I deleted a lot of blog posts and really just allowed myself the freedom to think about anything as being possible. And I did that for several months. And then in January, I had this realization, like I still love fizzle. I still love entrepreneurship. I still love the community. I love showing up and interacting with all of you. The whole thing is very rewarding. I haven't done anything else this rewarding my entire life. We built something really special and magical. And I decided that I wanted to come back and recommit to it. And that's really what kicked off this refresh process. So after deciding to recommit, I knew that Fizzle needed a refresh, not just a recommitment, not just me saying I'm in it again, but I knew that it needed a refresh. And the refresh needed to happen for me just so that I felt like it was new and energetic and it gave me something to talk about, but also for our customers and our partners as well to feel like there's energy behind this. It was all about infusing new energy in this thing and setting a new direction, really a rebirth in a way. 
I think about this a lot is almost like renewing your vows, right? You know, with your spouse, my wife and I actually this summer have our 20th wedding anniversary coming up. I was 24 when we got married. So it's hard to believe that it's been that long, but I can see this needing to happen in all kinds of situations where you've been committed to something for so long. So I started working on the refresh in early January of 2021. I announced it on my own blog, February 8th, along with a lot of decisions that I made and announced that we were doing a refresh and then worked diligently for about two months and finally launched it on March 26th. The big changes include pretty much everything. There's a business model change in terms of the way that we're interacting with instructors The design has been completely refreshed. The technology has been completely refreshed. We're changing our events, our content schedule, pricing, all kinds of stuff. So in terms of the the biggest changes, we're going to have new instructors for courses. We're also doing workshops and Q&As where we'll be bringing experts in. So for example, this is a workshop. We'll be doing these once a month, the first Friday of the month. I'll lead them sometimes. Other times we'll have a guest expert in. These will be recorded for everyone in library. And then at mid-month, we'll be doing a Q&A with an expert. And this month we have Tiffany Bisconer coming up where we're going to be talking about the R&D tax credit, which is something that she pulled out of the blue that is going to save me several thousand dollars. And I think people need to learn about it in the US, but also other countries have a similar tax credit as well. We have an all new integrated design. And when I say integrated, what I mean is everything's under one roof. There's no switching back and forth between an app and the public site. So the library, the course library, the events, the author pages, the categories, all that stuff is all integrated and the design is all new. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, when you go to the Fizzle site, this is where you land. And this is really the course library. So you're seeing the courses up front. And one of the biggest changes to this whole process that I mentioned down here at the end is that there's no sales page right now for Fizzle. This is really an experiment on my part. And so far it's going great. We've had 25 signups in the past day, which has been amazing. We haven't seen that kind of activity in a while. And I don't know what the conversion rate is yet. I haven't dived into it, but just knowing that To sign up for Fizzle, when you come to this page, if you are not logged in, you're not seeing a big heavy sales page that is like pitching you just on what it is. You actually get to see everything. You can interact with the site, the app, just like anyone else could. So I could head over and and see like what's Pat Flynn up to. And I could dive in here. And some of these things I can just listen to or view. These are public articles and so on. If I dive into a course and I start playing a course, if I am not a member, I will actually be able to consume this content and watch this content. So there are little cues where people can sign up. You can try Fizzle for free up here. And then if you get deeper into a course and I go on to the second lesson here, then a couple of things happen down here. You can see that this content is for Fizzle members only, and it encourages people to start their free trial. Or if I start playing this content and I'm not a member, it's going to tell me that this is a Fizzle members only video and I can start my trial here. So I basically went a level further. I talked earlier about this desire not to go heavy on the sales pitch up front with the marketing. Now I'm going even further, no sales page even. Now I'm just trying to get people into the experience so that they sample some of the goods and then they decide to join. So really the sales page is just that box that's demonstrating what the benefits of membership are and then some cues along the way. So I'm curious to see how this is gonna go. I can't guarantee it's gonna be a huge success and we could eventually layer on a sales page on top of that. But right now I love the simplicity of it and I'll let you guys know how it goes after a while. Another big change is, as I said, we're doing these new event types. So today we've got a workshop Next week, we're going to do a kickoff for our book club. This is a new experiment for us. I heard from, I think, Vicky, maybe some other people that they had been part of other communities where they did a book club. Obviously, we're going to be reading books on entrepreneurship topics. And I think we will have a good, lively discussion, even for people who aren't like super into the book or maybe haven't read the, the thing all the way through. But I'm excited about it because Jen and I are going to be talking about themes that we can go with each month. Next month, the theme is going to be selling your business or building your business so that you can sell it in the future. So I have a guest coming in for Q&A who is a business broker. He's going to tell us all about what that process is like. And the book that we're going to read is about 
building your business so that you can sell it in the future. And this is the kind of thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think enough about when you're getting started and when you're building things. So we'll see how that goes. Please come to the kickoff next week if you're at all interested in joining because we're going to talk about how it's going to work. We're going to introduce the book. And with leftover time, we'll just have a casual coaching session like we normally would. Okay, then the third week of the month, we're doing a Q&A with an expert. And then for the fourth and or fifth Friday of the month, we'll be doing happy hours, which are a lot like Fizzle Fridays have been in the past. All right, we also have a new referral program. We have all new tech and building, which I'll talk about in a second. And we also are going to be increasing the price for monthly customers from 39 to 49 per month. And we'll actually be decreasing the yearly cost, which I think was 345 before. It's going down to 299. So basically we're encouraging people who want to be here for a year, you'll actually save 50%. And if you do the math on that, it ends up being only $25 a month if you're committed to a year. If not, if you're a, a fly by night, then we'll see you around, but it's a little bit more expensive. And that's effective July 1st for new customers. Existing customers will be locked into their current pricing. So in terms of the tech and the design. I don't want to overwhelm too many of you. And I want to let you know up front that there is a ton of custom coding in here. My background way back was in software development from a business standpoint. And I've carried that forward, kept fresh on my skills because it's something that I enjoy. So the new Fizzle platform has a lot of custom software, but it also leverages a lot of things that are off the shelf tools. So we're still using WordPress. And I'll tell you that I've done evaluations over the years on other platforms that are available. There are a lot of hot new platforms. A lot of people talk about Jamstack, which is like statically based websites. We built Palapa using something called Vue, which is a Java front-end framework. There are all kinds of different ways to build websites. But in this case, I was able to build this entire thing in under two months, mostly because WordPress has so much built into it and it still works great. And I didn't yet feel a compelling reason to get off of WordPress. And I hope that makes you all feel good if you're using WordPress or thinking about it, that it's still a great decision. And I also love not dwelling too much on the technology because for most of us, the tech isn't what sets our business apart. It's the content, it's the product, it's whatever it is that we're selling. The tech is really just table stakes and WordPress offers plenty to do a good job. So on top of WordPress, we're using something called Timber. Timber is a plugin for WordPress that allows you to use Twig templates, which makes WordPress a little more manageable to develop a custom plugin or custom theme. Okay, now the next piece that I want to tell you about is huge. And if any of you have ever written HTML or CSS, I really want you to check out Tailwind CSS, okay? And Tailwind CSS has two components. I'm going to show you Tailwind briefly here. So Tailwind CSS is an entirely new way of writing CSS, and it makes it much more reliable, much more productive, and you can do a lot of amazing things with it. And Tailwind has this incredible documentation for anything that you want to do in CSS, but I'm going to show you something else that Tailwind has, and this is kind of the secret sauce behind how I was able to build the UI in Fizzle. Even though I'm not a designer, I've dabbled in design before, I'm not necessarily great at it, but because I used Tailwind UI, so it looks like it is 249 or actually maybe just 149. Oh, 249 if you want everything, both the application and the marketing side. Now, let me show you what Tailwind UI does for you. Let's say you want to build a little call to action with an email box in it. Well, let's say you're like, oh, you know what? I, I really like this one, the way that this one looks right here. Well, you just click on code and it has all this code here with the CSS built into it. And all you have to do is copy that. And then you'll get this on your website. Literally, this will show up for you on your website. And then you can just go in and edit yourself. Let's say that you wanted, oh, here's a newsletter section. I want somebody to sign up for email updates from me. Well, this one looks really good. So then you just copy the code or click this, this button here, copy it, paste it. Boom. You've got that design on your website. Now you still have to glue things behind the scenes if they're interactive, but in a lot of cases, they don't have to be interactive. I mean, if you want, so like down here, we get into application UI. So multi-column layouts, hmm, interesting. I could build a whole app because this is showing me how to build a sidebar, a navigation bar, all that kind of stuff. And then you start to see they have full on 
down here, full on page examples. And so if you dive into one of these, you'll see something that starts to look a lot like the new fizzle design. That's because I just borrowed from these things and tweaked it and customized it. So whether you're trying to build entire pages, applications, or again, if you're just looking for examples of how to use CSS to like create a contact form on your website, they've got all this stuff built in and it works really well. And it's also, everything is completely responsive. As you drag and expand, it all functions like it should on mobile and on desktop. So basically what you're getting is you pay $249 and you're tapping into Adam Wavin and Steve Sugar from the Tailwind team. And now they have other designers involved as well. You're tapping into their expertise, their design skills, and being able to use it for your own site. This was huge for me. And hopefully for some of you, if you feel like rolling up your sleeves a little bit, that could be interesting as well. Now for billing, you may have noticed that we have a whole new billing portal at Fizzle. We don't actually host any of the invoice pages. We don't host the checkout, any of that stuff anymore. And that's because Stripe now has something known as the customer billing portal. And that allows you to link from your website over to Stripe when someone wants to upgrade or downgrade their account, if they want to cancel their membership, if they want to change their card information, if they want to download an invoice, all that stuff, Stripe is handling for us with our logo and all that stuff on it. And that means what used to take weeks to write now took a day and a half or something like that. So that's really cool. And I'm excited about where that's going. We are hosting the entire Fizzle site on Flywheel, just like Fizzle members do with your accounts through the Fizzle Flywheel plan. And that's pretty awesome because the volume that we're running with hundreds of thousands of people coming to the site to visit our podcast and our blog and, and then the members logging in and everything, Flywheel works great. No problems with that at all. And then finally, the last piece is Palapa, which is our community software. And that is the same. We haven't changed that as part of this refresh. We just connected the new site up to Palapa. That's kind of my whirlwind overview of the refresh, the tech behind it. I'm happy to like dive into anything deeper, answer any questions. Jen? Arnold was asking in the comments if all the courses are in WordPress as well which I think they are, but just in case you have something deeper to add to it. And then he said, I think he was talking about Tailwind, but how does it integrate with WordPress plugins or pasting the code into blocks or on the pages? So first I'm going to show you behind the scenes over on the Fizzle WordPress dashboard. So you'll see that we have a few different kinds of content. We have posts, we have podcasts, and we have courses. And these are something in WordPress known as custom post types. They're pretty easy to add to WordPress. And then within courses, for example, I can click into a course and like, let's say our Fizzle and Flywheel manage hosting course here. I click into this and what you'll see is down here is where the course videos are. And for each of these, I just enter the title, the video ID from Wistia, and then the content that should appear below the video. And all of this is handled with something known as advanced custom fields, ACF. This allows you to layer in little custom fields that you might want to show on your website into post types. Like if you wanted your post, not just to have an author, but a co-author, you could add a field for who the co-author was, for example, that sort of thing. So advanced custom fields right here. This is the easiest way to customize WordPress with your own fields just by clicking and entering some details and so on. So for example, down here under custom fields, if I go field groups, you can see that, ah, course options. If I edit course options, you can see here, this is where the course videos are. If I edit this, you can see this is a field type called a repeater with subfields for title, video ID, and content. And then to build on top of these, that's where Timber comes in play that I was talking about earlier. And this is probably quickly going to get out of scope for this conversation. However, if people are interested, I'd be happy to record a mini course or do a workshop or something where we actually dive into building a little custom theme just so you see how that could work. It goes deep, eh, Corbett? <laughs> it goes it goes deep pretty quick, but um, but yeah. once you have the the basic building blocks, it it's pretty fun to play around with. Yeah, Arno said he would pay extra for that course. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I'm just gonna 
make a couple comments. And if anyone has a question for Corbett, can you just put, raise your hand in the chat box to say I have a question and we'll, we'll call on you and you can chat with them directly. But I just wanted to say, like, even though I'm on the team at Bizzle, like, I love this presentation so much because I think that in the early stages of putting, trying to get a business off the ground, it's so easy to think like, oh my gosh, if I was just making money, I wouldn't have any stress in my business. Or if I just had a bigger audience, then I would be happy and, 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 and it always feels like that. And I love, love hearing stories from you and what you shared from Dana, minimalist baker, that like the problems just change. And like, it is a part of growing a business. It will always be a part of growing a business. And it's learning how to figure out yourself, how you can get through the challenges early on and, and know and expect them is like a really big piece of this. And so yes. I just really appreciate your yes. always being so open on these kinds of topics. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Jen, for bringing that up because I, I, I know that when you're just starting out, there's so much overwhelm, there's so much uncertainty, it can be really scary. And I will say that money stress is one of the worst things in the world. Like if you're hurting for money and you're trying to build a business, like that's a really tough place to be in. However, I will tell you that whatever problems you have right now in terms of feeling depressed or bummed out or stressed out or whatever, those won't go away just because you have a successful business. They, like Jen said, they change. And so if you can get to a place where you feel comfortable now with all of that uncertainty, and more importantly, you can learn to enjoy the day-to-day and the journey and the ups and downs and the unknowns and things like that, you're going to set yourself up to be much calmer. And eventually when you have more money, more time, more freedom, you can start to leverage that to, to feel great. But if you're the kind who's, you know, worried about running from one fire to the next, like those things will still exist. So you do have to kind of get an arm's length relationship to your business eventually, which is hard to imagine when you're knee deep in it all the time. But I love what Dana said about having a healthier relationship, not working if she doesn't feel like it, taking time off, not putting so much pressure on herself. And I know that she still does because she still shows up, you know, twice a week to produce recipes and so on. But uh, Janice just asked if you used anyone as a sounding board. Yes, 100%. There are several Fizzle members that I bounce things off of, people that are either current or former Fizzle members, some people who have gone on to do their own businesses. I probably had conversations with about 12 people as sounding boards for this refresh, for the direction. There were other things that we considered doing that, that we're not doing now and may not be doing. Jen was involved in that as well. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really important to do that. Also, now that I've been at this business for nine years, I have a, a decent feel for what might work and what might not, if it's within reason. And a lot of the things that we're doing are within the overall genre of what Fizzle has done in the past. It's not as if we're dramatically departing, changing topics or anything like that. So I was fairly confident, but I did still bounce this off of people. And also, you know, I, I announced publicly that I was making changes and so on. And that that tends to help motivate me. It may not motivate everybody, but sometimes that public accountability actually works pretty well. Paul uses sounding boards as well. Fizzle Friday, he has a Saturday mastermind and his wife as well. And of course, my wife is probably sick of hearing about these things because I'm always talking about them. But yeah, anyone around you, you need to have, I think, people who see things through similar eyes, like other entrepreneurs, people that are in the trenches working on things, but also people who see things differently. You need to have people who aren't afraid to call you out if you're thinking it's going a little sideways or if you're getting high on your own supply, as they say. Corbo, what made you change the colors, branding? Well, I would say a couple of things. One, so Chase is a, an amazing designer and he had come up with a really great ethos and, and design language for Fizzle early on. And there was a little spark, if you remember, and you can see it in some of the old videos, there's a little spark connoting that the, the Fizzle brand is, we named it Fizzle partly because all businesses fizzle out, but also because of this idea of that hissing or sputtering sound that, that a spark might make. So that's where he came up with the spark. And that kind of went away at some point, not super consciously, and it just became the Fizzle logo. And I wanted to introduce that back again. And then also, I, I think I've just gotten better at recognizing colors and making things more harmonious and so on. And then also just wanting to refresh 
overall. I know we had a couple of like little interim design changes here over the past year or so, but um, this new one is is set and here to stay for a while. And I noticed right away when your avatar changed because it had been the same photo for quite a while. Yep. And now there's like this, it's like fresh new core of it too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And trying to unify some of that um, design language across. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't underestimate sometimes um, just a little bit of polish, a new avatar, you know, some of those things can really um, make you feel more energetic and invigorated about your projects. Okay. Janice has two questions. Number one is, did you have to refresh all the courses? And then number two, what's the future for the podcast? Okay. So in terms of the courses, we are in the process of refreshing, reviewing all of the content. We have removed several courses that were outdated and we have not shot new videos on existing courses, but we will be reviewing them deeper to see what needs to be done there. A lot of it is so foundational that it really stands up even today. And like I said, I'm happy that we invested so much in the quality of the video to begin with. And then we will be working with new instructors to bring new courses in. I will likely be teaching new courses as well, but also doing these live workshops that can be additional to courses, addendums to courses. In terms of the podcast, we have hired a new podcast producer named Claudia, and she is getting up to speed so that we can produce the podcast on a more consistent basis. We have a couple of new episodes recently, and I think we have three or four more in the can right now. One of the things that we're going to be doing is that Q&A session that's going to happen mid-month. My intention is for that to be recorded and actually played as podcast episodes. So Fizzle members will be attending that live, able to ask questions, and then those will be turned into podcast episodes, which leaves about three other episodes to do per month. And likely people who are coming in to do workshops or coming in to do courses with us, will probably have them on the show at some point to get like behind the scenes, to get more details and things like that. So I'm trying to do more tying in of what's going on in the membership to what's going on with the marketing and, and with the public content. Well, thank you all so much. I hope this was useful. Thank you, Jen, for suggesting the topic. My intent is that for these and for the Q and A's, that these will last around an hour when we do these. And then book club, I'm not sure. We'll see how that conversation goes and how many people show up. And then for the fizzle happy hours, which will be once or twice a month, those will be a little bit more open-ended like the fizzle Fridays have been in the past. Janice is also saying, what would help me on some of the courses is a visual diagram when a course references other videos or courses, sometimes I get lost. Okay, great. Thanks. I appreciate that. I think... We have, in some cases, a little bit of a Pandora's box when you get into a course and then it refers you to another course. And uh, sometimes you can get a lot of lost. However, I will say, Janice, that we now have a keep watching section that will show up on the homepage for the most recent three courses that you've been watching. And when you click into there, you will see where you were in terms of watching the course because it will show you which lessons you have consumed already. So hopefully that will help you a little bit. Check that out next time you start watching a course on your main course library page. Excellent. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll um, see you next week. Again, head over to fizzle.co slash live where you will see all of the upcoming events. You can click to add those to your calendar. For now, the events are always at the same time. And when it's time to attend, just head back over to fizzle.co slash live. You'll see that little button that says join the event in progress and it will start at 11 a.m. Pacific. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a nice weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.